Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. This is Out of Basketball. I'm your host, Sabrina Merchant, joined by Raj Chapalu. The Lakers just lost to the Portland Trailblazers, a team that started Anthony Simons, Ben McLemore, and CJ Ellaby, which is something that I would not have predicted at the start of this season. But that is the state of the Portland Trailblazers, and that is a team that just beat the Lakers after losing to the Orlando Magic the night before. So, Raj, where do you want to start with this one? Hi, Sabrina. Uh, yeah, <laughs> second show on the SP, on Lakers SBN, and I feel like deja vu because we talked about the Blazers last time we as did well. did talk about Lakers-Blazers last time. Yeah. yeah, well, before we get into this game, because this was a miserable game, honestly, but I have a question for you because mm-hmm. in my homework of the show, I forgot to ask you last week, but uh, I did some homework on I Love Basketball. Obviously, it was from Meta World Peace saying Correct. I love basketball in a free throw game. Can you name the two Laker players that were at the free throw line with him? Because I think it's interesting. Like I'll give you the year. Boxing so. out? Yes. <laughs> so, so I'm guessing 20- it's the one that like Meta was actually high-fiving as he's saying I love basketball. Yes. So, so it is kind of critical to the... So I'll give you some hints. So okay. one of them is a Laker core legend, like a, uh, he's a, he's a legend in Laker fandom, but he never really worked out with the rest of the league. And another one is actually thriving in the league. So one's not in the league anymore, but he's like a Laker core legend. Like fans loved him okay. and wondered why he didn't get more minutes. And the other sure. one is thriving. All right. All right. So meta played for the Lakers in what? 16, 17. Is that what's, yeah. So happened? this was, so this was in 2016. Okay. Uh, uh, Luke Walton is our coach. Um, right this and is year one of luke walton <laughs> yeah yes and meadow made the team fighting chris Douglas Roberts. yeah yes <laughs> yes can you name the two players that were on the on the free throw line with okay. him okay um you know i thought one of them was larry nance but i'm not sure that i would say he's thriving so <laughs> i don't yeah think it's no gonna be i wouldn't larry use nance. that word for larry larry nance like has carved larry out nance a nice quite niche. a bit yeah. i would not Me say too. thriving is the word i would use to describe larry nance's nba career me either. Hmm, okay, let's start with the Lakers core legend who didn't quite pan out. Um, is it is it Robert Sacre? <laughs> no, I don't think he's as much. This guy, like Laker fans, actually wanted to play. Actually they wanted, wanted him to play. Okay, okay, they wanted him to play. Yeah, Oof. he couldn't for some reason get minutes. Um, and his and his coach kind of said things that were kind of against what we would actually see on the floor sometimes. It's not Ryan Kelly, is it? No, not Ryan Kelly. No, no, I don't think he was on the Lakers that that late anyway, because he was drafted in 2013. Or not, sorry, <laughs> he was picked up in 2013. Right. Um, oh, I really don't know. Okay, so I'll give you yeah, the, the Laker hints? core leg. <laughs> okay, he was a, <laughs> this probably gives it away. He was an undersized backup center. Under, oh, is it Tark Black? Yes, so one okay. of them is Tark Black. He's a Laker fan core. I, I would stand by it. I mean, he is the avatar of one of the Laker Twitter greats. Oh, yes, so. absolutely. He's actually Darius. Like that's He's actually like, Darius Soriano. <laughs> yes, and the other one is a thriving member in the league. Okay. Um, I don't know. Is it Jordan Clarkson? Thriving a little bit more than Jordan <laughs> Clarkson. <laughs> My man just won six man of the year. Uh, yeah, I know. That's a, okay, who yeah, among Clarkson's the Lakers doing is well. thriving? I wouldn't say Julius Randle is thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, it's doing okay. It's yeah. doing okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, it's, is it Ingram? Yes. Brandon Ingram. Ingram yeah. <laughs> so, I think it's, you know, funny. I just looked that up last week and I thought it was interesting. So yeah, those two, which is, you know, 
that game was probably more fun than this one tonight. The, the one against Indiana where oh, uh, where Metal World Peace said that. So, yeah, I just think that's funny. Brandon Ingram and Targ Black, two legends. That's a good little Kendall. anecdote to start this off with. Um, I do believe that like the face that Targ Black is making in Darius's Twitter avatar is because somebody went after Brandon Ingram. Isn't that what happened? I remember it was against the Kings okay. and it was uh, DeMarcus Cousins started saying stuff to the Laker bench. I don't remember if it was for, with Ingram, uh, but Ingram uh, definitely had a funny, I think, face reaction I that would, night as I well. I would agree that he is thriving. This is uh, yes. definitely <laughs> the one baby Laker who is thriving the most. Um, on yeah. the 10th seeded New Orleans Pelicans, who, if you told me right now the Pelicans would pass the Lakers by the end of the season, I wouldn't question it. I would say, okay, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> A team that started one and twelve this season. <laughs> you told me they could pass the Lakers. I might buy it. But yeah, let's uh, let's just talk a little bit about this game because it happened, and we are here ostensibly to talk about this game. Uh, the Lakers end up losing. What is it? Uh, one hundred seven to one hundred five. It was just an un unappealing game from all aspects. I would say uh, we had this similar issue last week when we talked about Lakers Blazers where nothing really seemed to be important. I mean, LeBron didn't play in that game and it was hard to know what, what takeaways were meaningful from a game that the Lakers played without LeBron James. And once again, we were in a situation where the Lakers had one of their big three. I'm saying that in quotation marks missing today because Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. did not play for the first time this season. And this is one of those weird LeBron games that we, we don't get too often, um, but he puts up 37 and seven. And yet yeah. the entire time I kept thinking LeBron is playing so badly, <laughs> which is so weird to think that a guy could register that stat line in 36 minutes. And yet the whole time I was unimpressed with the LeBron <laughs> James experience. Uh-huh. I thought, you know, I thought he started the game with like juice and like verve. Like I thought, you know, he was committed to this game and wanted to win. There was a point in this game where both, not just he, but also also Anthony Davis realized they were playing a Portland trailblazer team that really didn't have much. And also our three point shooting was down. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we shot like 60% or something from three in that, in that first half, but yeah, looked like a lot of sleepwalking. Our defense was bad. We made Portland look like a super organized, functional offense in that second half. And they have a bunch of guys that I don't think they've practiced together. They traded out all their players and it should have been just an easy win. They went up nine, I think, a few times. And then they just put their foot off the glass, uh, off the gas. We did a bunch of strange things like drop back against Anthony Simons, who was cold in the first half. But then we just continued to drop back. Avery Bradley playing 35 minutes is just it's confusing to me. Uh, but yeah, and then you put the ball in LeBron's hands to try to take over. You had Malik Monk, LeBron running two-man game, and Blazers were flying everywhere. You could tell they were running at a speed that was faster than ours, at an energy level that was faster than ours. Just no energy, all nonchalant, no urgency. I don't know where we go from here. I'm the optimist on here, but you can't lose to a to this Blazers team. It's just not, you know, it's not acceptable. Um, and obviously, Russell Westbrook sat out, which is a whole other story, but that's no excuse to lose to this team. Their two NBA players didn't play tonight to me. Eric Bledsoe, Josh Hart, those other guys, you know, credit to them, but they beat us on hustle, offensive rebounding. Where was our rebounding? Uh, all these small guard lineups where they don't crash the boards. And it was a frustrating night. Anthony Davis played 41 minutes and I thought he, you know, sleepwalked through a lot of that. 
Yeah. I mean, from the very beginning, Yusuf Nurkic was just beating AD in the post and Yusuf oh. Nurkic is an NBA player. I will admit to that, you know, not yes. one of the ones mm-hmm. you mentioned, but he's, he's a good center and he shouldn't be bullying Anthony Davis. That's not something that should be happening in a game that the Lakers need to win, which apparently is every game from here on out, but that's <laughs> beside the point. Um, yeah. It's another thing. Like you look at AD stat line, eight of 11 from the field. That seems fine. Seven rebounds, six assists five blocks like that's a lot of the things that you want to see out of Anthony Davis and yet number of times the Blazers waltz into the paint and there's no resistance from Anthony Davis and I can't quite understand what happened and he misses his first three free throws of the game you know gets two trips within like the first five minutes doesn't make it back to the line the rest of the game just like it's one of those games where if you look at the box score afterwards on the surface it appears that the Lakers tried to win this game And from watching it, that could not be further from the truth because there was just none of that energy, none of that spirit that the Blazers had. And it's so frustrating because this is what the Lakers look like freaking every single day. Like there's one game and maybe six where they'll suddenly realize like, oh, we're the Lakers and people are putting us on national television to watch us play. And we have two of the best players in the game right now and Russell Westbrook and a a lot of other names people recognize and they try hard. And this was not one of those games, not even mm-hmm. close. And I mean, I, I hate to compare it to last week, but like it's literally the exact same thing that happened against the Blazers a week ago, except in that game, like the Lakers were at home. So they had just like slightly more energy and Mello was playing. So there was just like a little bit more offense that they needed to get over the hump uh, for all his, efforts Wayne Ellington was not quite enough to be the mellow role say but played well I mean he did yeah, his role just, you get a good just, first half from Wayne Ellington I think mean, I think that's uh, that's more than you can ask right now I'm just confused by this team because like they had all of these comments yesterday about how we're not close to being a championship level team and things oh, we have know. to change <laughs> before we can consider ourselves championship ready and you have this opportunity after a really disappointing loss to the Milwaukee Bucks to say, Hey, okay, maybe we're not on Milwaukee's level, but we can still take care of business against the underman team. And this is the effort that they come out with, like not even managing to get a double digit lead that they could eventually squander because admittedly that was going to happen. Um, I, I just don't understand. Like the, the guy who had the most juice was Wayne Ellington. Like you mentioned, um, hitting those two threes in the second quarter when he came in that ridiculous hook pass to Austin Reeves that ended up in a jumper. Like <laughs> never seen that. <laughs> uh, but you can't rely on Wayne Ellington for that much because he's part of the reason why blazer guard after blazer guard is able to get into the paint uncontested. And it's just so freaking frustrating how one dimensional every single player on the Lakers bench is and to have to rely on so many of them in a game yeah. when Russell Westbrook is not available and Carmelo is not available and LeBron looks uninterested. And like <laughs> you said, AD looks disengaged. It's, I know we, we discussed earlier, like if that Blazers win was the worst one of the year. And I don't know if this is the worst loss of the year, but it's probably the most defeated I have felt after a loss. Definitely the worst loss of the year to me, just with the situation, obviously the Russ comments that, that came out post game, him, him and Vogel trading shots post games. Like it's a little strange, uh, but just with this game, 
So remember, if I know people would probably want to erase this game from their memory, but that first quarter, it was ugly. It was 18, 18, 18 all. Yeah, 18 all. And a lot of that, you know, Malik Monk, I think, missed a few open threes. But a lot mm-hmm. of it, it just it looked like we were a new team like this team. I know we have some new parts. I know Stanley Johnson, you know, he's been on the team a while now, but still feels like we don't know where to stand. There was a play where uh, we threw it to LeBron. He got doubled. And it looked like the team just had no clue what to do, you know? And, and mm-hmm. I saw AD after it telling Malik Monk where to go. And I'm like, it's game like 60. Like you should know, like when, a, <laughs> when, you know, when the ball gets to LeBron, we should know who's open, who's the dive and who's the spacer. And we still are so confused. And on the other end, Portland is just running simple, you know, pick and roll and simple cut and, and replace principles. And they're getting, you know, open shots, getting to the lane, getting to the free throw line. And they look like a more cohesive unit than us. And honestly, like I had no clue who some one of the players was on on Portland. Like I'm going to be honest, uh, but credit to them. But yeah, they just look like a more cohesive unit. <laughs> Frank Vogel, what this game kind of told me is who Frank Vogel trusts, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, you have no Russell Westbrook. So Avery Bradley just gets every minute possible. And I think that just has a domino effect on us defensively. Avery Bradley is a very high, you know, motor defender it's not productive all the time so he's running around and gets back cut a ton he's chasing over guards he was supposed to stop Anthony Simons which I think in that first half he did an okay job but I thought Simons that was just because Simons was missing yeah yeah me too and I thought they adjusted as well they adjusted their ball screen a little bit to where AD has to kind of get hit a little bit more try to have to back up a little bit and Simons got going and yeah, I just thought, you know, and Stanley Johnson, I thought had a pretty good game. I think without him, we probably lose even more. I thought he attacked the rim nicely, but mm-hmm. yeah, they just come out with these slow starts. Sabrina, I was at the Knicks games. I don't know if you, uh, you uh, remember that one, but I was at, which was right before the Bucks one. The last game, the Lakers. The won. last game. Yeah, I know. These how are many, all how much longer will we be able to say that? <laughs> I was exciting. That was my first time seeing LeBron play live, which was really cool seeing him play, but yeah, at that game, they went down 11 nothing, And so that was the, if you remember, that was the first game of the big three. That was like, oh, we got the whole big three back. Like that was supposed to be the energizer and bam, just right away. No one gets back in transition. Uh, and the same thing again with Milwaukee, obviously Milwaukee's a better team, but we were down 10 right away with that one tonight. If it was any other team than Portland, you're down 10. I mean, you score 18 points on this blazer team and give up the open shots that they did. I think Portland was 0 for 11 from three to start this game. So just ugly basketball. I'm going to try to keep my optimism where I can, but that was just, just a lot of ugly basketball. Yeah. I mean, I wrote some notes down of things that I liked as they were happening um, <laughs> in between all of the LeBron back cuts that he allowed. I think there was one to Ellaby at the end that just particularly killed me. And that, that missed box out at the end with three seconds left. is just yeah. hideous. But anyway, um, I maintain that good things happen when you put LeBron in the post and uh, just have him make decisions out of that. Like Austin Reeves will cut Stanley Johnson knows how to move off the ball. Um, him just flinging skip passes. Like it's nobody's business. I mean, every game LeBron throws these passes across the court that like looks so simple and yet nobody else on God's given earth would even think about attempting some of these passes, but LeBron just does it like it's second nature. Um, there was one in the corner to Trevor Ariza that he had in the first half. That was just ridiculous. But yeah, you put, Give LeBron the ball in the post. If he doesn't want to, you know, go through all the effort of actually running pick and rolls, which it didn't seem like he was interested in today. Mm-hmm. Decent things tend to happen, you know, <laughs> when LeBron is operating, especially when he gets good deep position. Um, and I thought, you know, Reeves had some really nice off ball movement today too, but. Uh, 13 minutes just, for Austin Reeves. I just don't, I don't understand. Possible? It. Like 
Let, let's look this up real quick. So Austin Reeves for the season, you want to guess how many minutes Austin Reeves is averaging? I'm going to say 16 minutes per game. 16 minutes per game. Okay. For the season, Austin Reeves is averaging um, 21, 21.1 oh, minutes more. per game. Okay. So in a game when the Lakers <laughs> don't have Russell Westbrook, why would his minutes go down? Like he was great too. He was good. He was good. He was good. Like, I mean, he's not going to hit every open three. There's a reason this guy was undrafted, you know? Um, But I, I still wish that his, his volume was a little bit higher. Like there are shots that he passes up on that. I wish he would take him missing two free throws. Also is not a great look, but one for two from three though. I mean, he was shooting poorly. Mm -hmm. He, how is he getting this few minutes? Like we talk about the Lakers having a fundamental roster construction issue. And that is a hundred percent true, right? Like this team is built around three, what they consider to be superstars and limited depth beyond that. And when one of those three does not play like a superstar, it's a lot harder for the team to make up for that difference because they don't have quality role players. They have minimum value role players. Yeah. But then when your coach decides to give 36 minutes to a guy who was waived by the golden state warriors. Cause they didn't want him instead of, I don't know, the guy who has the best net rating with LeBron this year. Like, is that still true? I assume that that's still true. I believe so. Yeah. Like, what, what is Frank doing? I mean, does, is he trying to test the limits of this report that he's not going to get fired by the end of the season? I mean, he already has the sympathy of everybody else around the NBA, like because of the nonsense that the Lakers put him through by saying that, oh, his job was on the line against Utah and then he made it and then they let him go on the Grammy trip. He he's already earned the sympathy. Like everybody knows that this is a terrible situation that the Lakers have put him in. You're starting to notice that other coaches are specifically complimenting him for things that he does during the game. Like Ty Lu went out of his way to say good things that Frank Vogel did in that Clipper game. This is not stuff that Tyloo was saying earlier this year. And I don't think it was like by any means a dramatically better coached game than it was earlier in the year. He's, he's got the sympathy card. He's got his title. What, what, what is he trying to do now? Like, is he trying to prove that Avery Bradley is a worthy NBA player? Does he get a commission on Avery Bradley's next contract? Like, I don't understand what his end game is here. Do you get what Frank is doing? Well, just like trying to put on Frank's shoes, which, you know, I, I can't put on Frank's shoes, but if I could, I think, you know, Avery Bradley represents like a time and a, and a place with a roster that he was comfortable with, you know, like Avery Bradley was, he didn't go in the bubble, but you know, he was in like the trenches with him in the six. I think we were on pace to win like 60 plus games. Mm -hmm. Avery Bradley was our starter. KCP didn't start to the bubble. And I think Avery Bradley just plays a type of ball hawk defense that he prefers his guards to play. Now we don't have the personnel or if AD and LeBron aren't tagging like the low man that you know, that defense asked for. And I think, again, against a Blazer team like this, just switch when you can. Why double Nurkic in the post? Like, those are stuff that just make Why no sense to me. Nurkic, yeah. Yeah, with, I mean, Nurkic wants to be a playmaking big. I saw Nurk. I think Nurkic taught, took one jump shot tonight and it clanked really bad off, off the line. It was a long two, too. So it's like the worst jump shot yeah. that you could take. So it was a super long two. But anyway, with Avery Bradley, like, he fights over the top screens and he gives back pressure the way that Vogel wants. And again, in a game like this tonight, standings matter. You could tell who Vogel trusts, right? 41 minutes for Anthony Davis, however you think he played. LeBron James, 36 minutes on a back-to-back. Second night of a back-to-back where they traveled. And Avery Bradley, 36 minutes almost. 35, 47, exactly. So those are the guys he trusts, and that's why he plays them so much. I would love Reeves. 
Reeves going through the exact Caruso arc is just insane <laughs> to me. Like I've thought about this so much. And obviously the comps are unfair because they're two, you know, similar looking players. players. Undrafted players. Yeah. yeah. Who don't look like they would be playing basketball. But like still like Reeves is has all the lib does all the little things, fits perfectly next to LeBron. Just his arc is crazy to watch with that. But yeah, I don't I don't understand it either. But those are the guys Vogels is gonna go down with. And obviously he's picked who he's who he would go to war with and Russell Westbrook hasn't been in the game the last two fourth quarters that he was eligible overtime and then the other fourth quarter that he was mm-hmm. eligible for so he trusts Avery Bradley um and Bradley just is a really frustrating player to watch especially when you pair that with Malik Monk who also played 29 minutes two small guards and against anyone and Simons to me is a little better than just an NBA player I'm high on Anthony Simons but I mean so cook- are the Blazers they traded away season McCollum <laughs> to give him some runway yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's the reason they were able to. So I'm really high on him and he cooked our guards. And I think Vogel likes to like, okay, Avery, you're guarding Simons tonight. Like that's your matchup. Mm-hmm. You know, he did that with John Moran as well. He gives Avery like the John Morant um, assignment or he gives him assignments. And, and I think if I look at the minutes, Anthony Simons, 38, Bradley around 36. So kind of matched him with him, but yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing. Sometimes you got to save a coach for themselves. So maybe Avery Bradley's gone. I don't think he would be, but if Avery Bradley's gone by the buyout deadline, but that's why he goes with them. I disagree with it, but that's why he does. I think. It's really a shame that Avery had such a nice stretch before his contract became guaranteed because there was a window. <laughs> there was a window when we could have gotten rid of him. Oh, he was and never getting cut. No way. <laughs> There's no way. I, I believe in the Lakers commitment to penny pinching. And so there was mm-hmm. a moment when it could have happened. Um, but, you know, we have crossed that bridge. Avery Bradley is a Laker for the remainder of the season. <laughs> Just ballpark. If you had to over under, how many of these players are on the Lakers next season? If I said four and a half, would you go over under? <laughs> So I'm sure you see this too. So every time Monk has a good game, I see people like, man, I hope we can keep him next year. I'm like, this roster has flipped. This guy wants to play for six million (laughs) next year. Well, not even just that, because let's just say we are able to afford him. This roster has flipped like three times already and flipped even when we won the dang thing. So, you know, attaching yourself to anyone not named LeBron and Anthony Davis is probably, you know, just a fool's errand to go with. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I love Austin Reeves. I would... I would hope he's back next year, but you know, I wouldn't be shocked because I think the <laughs> roster is going to flip again. So, uh, but yeah, probably, you know, four is probably a good number to kind of stick with four and so a half. You would take under. Okay. Uh, oh, let's, uh, it's close. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really close. Like I think, so the guys who didn't play tonight, Dwight Howard, Deandre Jordan, Kent Bazemore, they're probably not on the team. Wayne Ellington, Trevor Reza, probably not on the team. THT. We'll see if he's here in two days. Like, so like it's, it's interesting. I I think the roster is going to flip again. So we'll see. Right. We'll see. Let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about THT for a second. All right. So on the subject of Taylor Horton Tucker, I saw some con- conflicting tweets on the timeline today about whether Taylor was playing as if he was trying to get traded or as if he was not trying to get traded. And I want to preface this by saying that I thought Taylor was great today that some of the fouls that were called against him were nonsense. Um, that initial charge that he got called for, like, I hate that call because the defender, I believe it was Ben McLemore was like clearly settling himself after tail and already got in the air. I hate that call so much. All the referees do is look at their feet on the restricted area and they don't pay attention to the actual body movement, but 
whatever. Um, he obviously had that trip call that was the Lakers had to challenge. Um, he's not great about hiding his off arm movement like that offensive foul that he got called for at the end. Absolutely an offensive foul. The thing is everybody in the league does that and they're just better at, you know, making it not look <laughs> like an egregious call. Yeah. So Talon's learning, right? He's still very young. I you know this is like the party line with Talon. He's what, 21 years old. Um, I thought his aggression was really good today. I thought him being confident in his jumper was really important. Uh, a couple of those step backs were just like, where has this Talon been for the last 16 months? Um, and I thought his passing was excellent. Like that one ATO that they ran where he got the lob to Anthony Davis, like, we ran that play once. Yeah. Why do we have the best rolling big man in the NBA and never run any pick and rolls? Like I thought after the Clipper game, when Malik Monk 82 man game was so important to that comeback and they could not stop it. Like this is a good defensive team in the Clippers and they could not stop that Malik Monk and Anthony Davis pick and roll. And we've decided that, no, we don't need 80 to roll all the time. Let's <laughs> let 80 just be disengaged and like casually block shots on defense to make it look like he's trying, but this is all a very long-winded way of saying, um, do you think Talon should have started today? I So I think it's no coincidence that he hit four threes tonight in a game where he had the ball in his hands a ton. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's a total field type of player. And he's a player that, you know, I feel like he feels caged on offense. And then, and Malik Monk kind of goes just go through goes through with this too. I don't like him next to LeBron. I think that those two both uh, mm-hmm. together, it just turns Taylor into a spacer, which again, tonight he hit his threes, but that's just not the role. And this was the role he had, I think, when LeBron was out and it was Russ only playing. So they had mm-hmm. Taylor leading the second units. And he actually did a good job. And I thought he did yeah. that tonight too. It's a space floor and there's some universe somewhere where, you know, it's Talon running high ball screens with a spread floor, spread action. And he's the main, he's the main guy, decision maker. And he looked good in that role. Honestly, uh, they, you know, you talked about AD not really saying too many screens set them for Talon in that. Like, I think it was that second kind of third quarter there. Yeah. The second where he quarter, got the, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like Stanley Johnson. I think he even wrote, I wrote this lineup down. Cause I was like, man, this was a fun lineup to me. It was, uh, yeah, it was Austin Reeves, uh, THT monk, AD and Stanley and Stanley's not not a great shooter, but he's aggressive. Like he actually takes them. So they have right. to guard him and he'll attack just, close out hard. Yeah. He'll attack close out, get to the line. So THC AD ball screen. And it got us going. It uh, kept the lead. I think when LeBron was on the bench, uh, but yeah, I thought Talon was good. Still has some rough plays. Still has some rough turnovers. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, his jumper was going. You talked about where has this Talon been? That step back's always there. It just doesn't go in, right? Yeah, like that, that's true. That step back jumper, like it does look pretty when he does it. Like he looks like a superstar doing it. it just doesn't go in enough. And I think he just doesn't have the ball in his hands as much. So 24 minutes, uh, played the backup kind of guard role as you would hope. Uh, but it's tough. Again, Russ comes back, I think. Uh, and then uh, you get LeBron as well. There's just there's just not enough minutes, I guess, for him to get this kind of attention. But he had a good he had a good game tonight. Yeah, I understand wanting to keep Talon in charge of the second units. It's just if the Lakers had started him, he could have played more minutes and taken those minutes away from other lesser players in the Lakers yeah. rotation. Because, I mean, Frank has shown the ability to start a guy and then immediately take him out to keep the stagger going. Like, that is what happened with LeBron and AD in year one. Like, wouldn't LeBron play like six minute shifts to start the game, come out for Rondo or something, and then like come back in to start the second quarter. It is possible to lead a second unit and still start the game. And 
with the lineup that the Lakers had available today, I would argue that Taylor Horn Tucker was one of the five best players. So he should be playing mm-hmm. with the first five. Uh, but that is a sentiment that Frank Vogel does not appear to share, um, which it's just the whole thing is frustrating, but I was happy to finally see Taylor like look more comfortable. I, I would argue that even if, you know, Russell Westbrook is still on the Lakers by the next time we record the Taylor should be the backup point guard. Like I, I don't know why the Lakers acquired Russell Westbrook, but I have to believe that part of it was to help LeBron when he's on the court. And so keep Russ with LeBron then, and then let Taylor run the second unit and you can put him with Anthony Davis and that space floor and give him these optimal conditions to succeed. And yeah, he's not going to be playing against the Blazers defense every night, but I still think that that offensive ecosystem is possible. Like it exists for him on this roster. They just have to make an effort to give him that opportunity. And when he is your only meaningful young player of any consequence on this roster, like, wouldn't you want to invest in him? Like, wouldn't you want to showcase him in the best way, not just to like opposing teams, but also (laughs) in a way that helps him succeed? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we had some minutes tonight where like LeBron was the five as well. Cause Dwight Howard mm-hmm. didn't play. Um, right. obviously DeAndre Jordan's out I the rotation. <laughs> yeah. Would have been, <laughs> would have been nice, uh, to have just a bruiser down there for a little while, but yeah, so no Dwight. So that meant LeBron was at the center for a while. And I think that's a place also to, that Taylor can, can kind of get free a little bit. I just think like, you know, a, a player like Taylor to cage him offensively is, uh, you're not gonna get the best out of him either with that. And we're trying to fit him into this role player kind of status. And that's what he needs to be for this team. Uh, but, you know, I think there's like some wiggle room to work with as well. It was nice to see a player that, you know, can run a ball screen and kind of can attack downhill. He's aggressive with it, had some finishes as well. When the jumper's going, it looks good. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll, you know, shoot four for six from three, you know, too often. But it was nice to see him play well. This was the best tailing game in a long time. It's sad it came in a loss to to this team. But they all seem to come in yeah. losses. Like his last good game was against Indiana at home and. That yeah. was a disappointing loss. <laughs> a lot of disappointing losses. Yeah, this one's up there, though. I not. I know OKC earlier in the year as well, but I think they had at least a couple more NBA players. Like, I think I think Portland has a lot of people who are trying to make the NBA in a in a yeah, sense. Like, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not sure. Just to go back to the THT thing for a second. Is it is it a coincidence that his best games are coming in losses or is it? A symptom of the fact that like he doesn't fit on this particular Lakers roster. Yeah. I mean that, I mean, I think the fit is always clunky, um, but, and his defense as well, like they went at him a little bit. I thought um, in the post, he, he was got, fine though. Me too. Yeah. He does a lot of this where he'll like, look at the ref, like, what did I do? So that, that happened a lot. He's with so him. little. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, tries to be sturdy as well. I think his defense has got better. But yeah. It's been, you know, a clunky fit. I mean, he's, I mean, just not to compare it, but I mean, it's like Russell Westbrook as well. You have a guard that, you know, can't shoot and you're trying to pair it next to another ball handler, like who needs the basketball. Like it's a, it's a rough fit. Um, It's been clear a LeBron AD kind of with three spacers has been a successful formula for a very long time. Uh, But yeah, Taylor's trying to fit into that. I don't think he's had the season that he thought he would, at least from role, uh, role to role, game to game. But hopefully this is a start if he's on the team uh, for their game on Saturday. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this is a start of something. But yeah, it's good to see him get in a groove, get some finishes, uh, hit some threes, uh, build some confidence with his jump shot. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of any more potential positives that we can hit on before just making deadline predictions. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. Stanley, uh, Stanley we Johnson. Wayne. We already mentioned Stanley. 
Um, yeah. I thought the transition defense was horrible. I thought the transition offense was surprisingly horrible. Uh, the number of turnovers committed in transition offense, especially that one when the Lakers were down two and LeBron just throws it away on a pass to Talon. Uh, that was weird. Uh, there was one sequence in the second quarter where LeBron had back-to-back turnovers like in transition yeah. and then ends the sequence with this ridiculous and one finish because of course he's LeBron James, but right. I was supposed to find positive things. Um Trevor Reza looks like he found like a pulse, right? Like Trevor Reza looks like he's moving a little bit better. Uh, He went two for four from three. And again, like I I know Carmelo's been great. I know he's a flamethrower at times, but just even Trevor Reza defensively, I think is an improvement there. So I think it's good. I think Ariza being able to give you 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. uh, not sure what his plus minus. Well, I mean, doesn't matter. I just like the idea of not having to play mellow 25 minutes on a night when he doesn't have it because the Lakers were forced to do that when Ariza didn't like, yeah, when he wasn't healthy. Right. So if you can just limit both of their minutes to like 15 a piece, that way you're in a situation where you have some size on the court and you're not forced to rely on a guy who may not yeah. be shooting it that well, that particular game. So it just gives the Lakers a few more options. And yeah, I mean, it is, it is nice that he like actually looks like he can run again because <laughs> um, the bar is low. <laughs> the bar is low. Uh, but no, I, I think he just looks like a slightly below average basketball player when he's on the court, which like, hey, that that is really, yeah. really good for what the Lakers are trying to do. here. That's a eighth man on this team. Like, honestly, like a slightly below average player is like an eighth, ninth man on this team. And I think that's what. Trevor Reza kind of looks like him just being a spacer and a smart kind of defender, I think just adds to this team. Although he's uh, getting but, cooked on some of these isolations. Like it is. Yeah, for rough. sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're no worse than Mello. Let's be clear. <laughs> and, but in Trevor's, you know, in Mello's defense, they're not asking Trevor to play the the five in drop coverage. So it's slightly more reasonable ask for his particular skill set. but it's yeah. not great. Um, you know, I, I don't, know that anyone's defense looked particularly good today and Mm. again like this was not a Blazers team that was uniquely suited to attack the Lakers by any stretch of the imagination like we're not that far away from the Lakers completely just shutting down Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum on a regular basis and I like a lot of what the Blazers have now they are not Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum at least not yet so that was annoying and I mean if the Lakers decided to clean house next to LeBron and Anthony Davis tomorrow. Like, I don't even know that I'd be that upset because what are we holding on to? Like, what is this? What is this grand vision of a team that we're holding on to? Yeah. I mean, so most of our signings, like why can't Cam Bazemore get any run? I think that's, you know, kind of crazy. Like he's, I think he's 30 or 31. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, he's, uh, he's 30. I think. Yeah. So Cam Bazemore, I mean, can't get any run on, on a night where we probably needed some bodies uh to run just to run up and down the 32 court and play my bad my bad 32 okay everyone's getting yeah. older <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel like he could you know play hard in a night like tonight i feel like second night of a back-to-back you probably need some bodies to run around but he can't play john G. jordan obviously unplayable um of blazers on our roster now that i think about it Baze was a blazer ariza mellow oh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, all guys that the Blazers shuffled out to because they weren't good enough. Ariza was starting for them, I think, before yeah, he the didn't bubble. Go to the bubble, yeah. Right, he didn't go to the bubble, yeah. And then he went to Miami, and Miami's like, no, <laughs> and, no. Uh... <laughs> the number of players that have washed out of other contenders, and then the Lakers were like, no, we can make it happen, is astounding. 
and DeAndre Jordan, they you know traded picks. A, uh, general philosophy that I do not agree with in terms of team building here, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, I'm just like pulling up our Slack real quick, and the fake trades that are going through between the Lakers and Toronto are are something. Uh, let's just end here. Do you think the Lakers will make a move on deadline Thursday? I definitely think they will, uh, okay. but. I just like, obviously Russell Westbrook is the, let, let me, let me catch this for a second. I'm not okay. counting like salary dumping Deandre Jordan or camp base more. Like, will they actually make a move that brings back a player who will be in the rotation? Like of significance. You're saying that I'm not like say significance, however you want, like a player who will play, will they acquire okay. a player who will play at the deadline tomorrow? I think they will. Okay. I just don't, I don't see Russell Westbrook going out the door though do you i i would be all for it i do not like the russell westbrook experience um i have i've been down on it for some time now but just like you said the the quotes that were coming out between him and frank vogel and their differing ways of interpreting what should be the same situation uh were a little concerning there's some lack of accountability on his end that frustrates me. And I got to say, like, this game sucked. This game really, really sucked. Oh, no. <laughs> I was still happy not to watch Russell Westbrook. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> so it, it's funny, like, because obviously the benching story was the big story mm-hmm. through this whole week. And it's what I kind of prepared to talk about. And obviously the Lakers were like, no, we're going to make this even worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I feel like this is just, like obviously losing to the Bucks is whatever. They're the Milwaukee Bucks. They're yeah, they're on the a level champs. Yeah, way different than we are. And then benching him for Indiana is one thing. But I feel like it's been a season season long kind of. We've marginalized Russell Westbrook. You know what I mean? Like we've put him. We've continued to lessen his role. We're not getting the effects of that. Like we've lessened his volume and his efficiency still isn't there. But like you take Russell Westbrook and you make him like a guy who goes stands in the corner, and then you want him to go be a role player and like you know, do the defensive stuff and do the little stuff, which he's never really been before in his career. Right. So now the magnifying glass is on those little stuff. Like, do you get back in transition and stuff like that? So it's been, it's been strange to watch, you know, Vogel, who's been such a diplomatic, like, remember when Rondo would have be like negative 20 and he'd be like, you know, I thought Rondo gave us a good energy tonight. Like I thought Rondo really led our, you know, unit. We're like, what? Like he was, he was always so positive. I right. consistently appreciated Frank's demeanor and his willingness to just talk up his guys at every opportunity, no matter how badly they were playing. And even when it was like just a bad look for him to have this much faith in the players who were playing poorly, I appreciated that he consistently kept good energy in his public yeah. appearances. And the Frank Vogel that appears before us now is a defeated man. He has been broken. And just like the the timbre of his voice has changed. Like there's no joy in it. I don't know that well, he's. Let me ask you. Is it a likes de- his job right now. Well, is it a defeated guy or is it a guy that knows like I'm in battle right now? Like this is like you know this is my war. Like so I, like earlier in the season, I would mm-hmm. say that Frank sounded like he was fighting. You okay. know when he was talking about how front office made these decisions and like this is how I want to play and I mean not in so many words. He was obviously much more diplomatic than that but there was an edge to the things that he was saying. Like he was definitely marking the territory. Like, this is what I wanted. This is what the front office did. So this is how we're going to play it. Um, There was an edge. 
now he's just, he just seems sad. And that's how I feel watching this team. I feel sad watching this team. I feel sad partly because of the decisions Frank Vogel has made while coaching this team. Like, let's not bury over that because I don't think this was a well-coached game by Frank Vogel. Uh, no, but like the Lakers made this mess when they traded for Russell Westbrook and decided that they were still going to put the ball in LeBron James's hands. Like, It's just poor planning from the top down. And it's not entirely Russell Westbrook's fault, but part of it is. And I just don't see how the situation can be resolved with him on the roster. Now that doesn't mean I think he's going to be traded, but if he does get traded, like I think there will be a certain boost post Russell Westbrook. What makes it difficult for me is like, you see what we gave up in the Washington deal. And then you just say, okay, we got John wall or whoever it is for that, you know? And I think that's the tough part about it. I think the season is what it is. Uh, I think you have to just go to war kind of, kind of with that. This, this roster feels like it was built in spite of Frank Vogel, you know, like that's, oh, absolutely. So that's what it feels like to me. And, you know, so just again, putting my you know, foot in Frank Vogel's fall, who's, you know, has done some questionable things for sure. But I mean, his philosophies won him a title of 15 months ago, 16 months ago. If I, mm-hmm. if I, if yeah, I have the months right, sounds about right. 16 months ago, the philosophies that he believes in the core beliefs that have been instilled, you know, even when he was starting Roy Hibbert, David West together, those philosophies continued on to the Lakers. He started JaVale McGee uh, continuously. I mean, Frank basically invented verticality. Like we <laughs> exactly. talk about that because of that Pacers team. Yeah. And exactly. And sometimes I feel like he's like Carmelo. Now I want you to, you know, be drop back and protect the rim while containing the guard. And it's like, what? And so maybe he's trying to build towards that, but yeah, that's, that's it's, it's been like an interesting, our organization feels like we have a coach walking one way while a roster is being built one way. And then like superstars also putting their input one way. And it's like three kind of, you know, ropes being pulled in different directions. And this is kind of what you get uh, with this roster. So I think there's going to be a trade. I just, I would caution people who think Westbrook will be off the team, but I may be wrong. Maybe tomorrow when I wake up, you know, we see a Russell Westbrook trade. I just, I don't see it yet. Yeah. I, I don't think it's likely. Um, I mm-hmm. think the most likely outcome is still THT on the move. You know, that the THT none, some meth, some draft compensation attached to them. Uh, hopefully people like Taylor more after this game, but who knows? They probably like him equally as much because how much can you judge from a game when the Lakers played against this version of the Portland trailblazers? Although we have talked for several minutes trying to figure out <laughs> what's a game. From this game. La- last thing, would you trade Taylor if Russ isn't moved? Like, would you give our tail in and 2027 first if Russell Westbrook is still on the team after the deadline? What are we getting? Mm, let's say it's like uh, Eric Gordon. I would take Eric Gordon. Yeah. For, for tail Really? Yeah, I would do it. With Russ still on the team? That's yep. interesting to me. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like this Russ thing has to be figured out before, you know, we go. This Russ thing is not going to be figured out until his contract expires in 2023. <laughs> So okay. that is, well, uh, I mean, that's, a, that's part of figuring it out. Like it ended like that. We figured <laughs> that figured it out. Um, but yeah, that's why, like, I would be hesitant. Like, and, and I think you'd also be moving, like, I hate using the word asset, but you'd be moving Taylor probably at his lowest kind of trade value, you know? Yeah. But I mean, made- how much longer do the Lakers really have to recoup Taylor's trade value? That's you know, true. He yeah. has the opportunity to opt out um, at the end of next year. And mm-hmm. if the Lakers still have Westbrook on their roster, then who's to say that Talon has a chance to showcase himself at all next year. So yeah, yeah it appears to be an idea in his value, but 
as much as I like Talon, like when was his value really the highest? Like when he had one good game against the Rockets in the bubble and there then four preseason games and it was like, oh, this is the next guy. Like, well, it was at his, it was at the highest this summer when we paid him, you know, the, the deal, like that was when it, it was at uh, his We highest. paid him the deal because of who his representation is. And I will stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Uh, so the Lakers are now 26 and 30 remain in ninth place in the Western conference, firmly in play in position. They will probably be hosting one play in game when this is all said and done. Uh, unless something miraculous happens because the trade deadline is a magical day and who knows how teams around the league value their players because certainly there have been some deals that have surprised me from an asset management perspective, even within the last few days. So never yeah. know what's going to happen. Um, just based on the vibes of this Lakers season, I'm not holding my breath, <laughs> but <laughs> who knows? Um if you are somehow listening to this on Thursday before the deadline has actually happened, we are doing a live show with lots of the SB Nation NBA crew. So make sure to go to silverscreenroll.com to figure out the details for how to listen to that. And just subscribe to the Silver, Silver Screen Roll podcast because we talk about the Lakers a lot, even when they're not so much fun to talk about. So thank you, Raj, for joining me today. Um, hopefully the next time we talk, the Lakers will have won a game and we can be a little more optimistic. But Warriors on Saturday. Warriors on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) That's your, that's your gift for losing to the Blazers. You go and play the Warriors on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, Well, you know, stranger things have happened. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next week.